Great, great to be here tonight. Why don't you open your Bible with me in uh, Mark chapter 2. I want to read with you a story of Jesus. Jesus always came, he changed things wherever he went. And one of the things about Jesus, he always challenges, challenges status quo. I love that about him. He doesn't leave us the same when we connect with him. And uh, when we uh, experience him, whatever way, he always not only affirms our value, but he always challenges us. And I love it in the Bible where Jesus shook up what was happening and, and changed it. We see in the story here, and I want to speak tonight just on visible faith. He saw their faith. Have you got faith that is visible? And let's have a look in uh, Mark chapter 2. Now, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard he was in the house. And immediately, many gathered together, and there was no longer any room to receive them, nor even near the door. It was such a crowd. And he preached the word to them. And then there came to him, one, uh, bringing someone who was paralyzed, and he was carried by four men. And uh, they could not get near him because of the crowd. So they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. What a way to interrupt a meeting, eh? Tear off the roof. When Jesus saw their faith, he saw their faith. Real living faith is visible. Shows up in our life, how we speak, how we act. It's in our heart, but it shows up in what we do in our life. And so let's have a look. It says here, he said to the guys paralyzed, son, your sins are forgiven. Now here's where he provokes the religious people. And some of the scribes were sitting there and they began reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemy like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit when they reasoned within themselves. And he said, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Now, I love this. Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or rise, stand up and walk. Take up your bed and walk. So you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose, took up his bed and went out of the presence of them all. And they were all amazed and glorified God, saying we never saw anything like this. Now, this same story is told in Luke, and uh, uh, Luke describes it. He adds a few things to it. There's a story of some people who had faith in their heart. If we read the story, I want to just highlight a few things, and uh, that it may not be so obvious, but some things which are keys about having visible faith, faith that lives, faith that's alive. You know, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without a faith that's a living faith, we don't bring heaven to earth. Faith is what unlocks heaven and brings heaven to earth, and faith always outworks itself some way in your life. And uh, so let's just read on. It says, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was voiced or it was heard that he was in the house. First thing we see is Jesus came in or entered in with purpose and intent. Wherever Jesus went, he had something in his mind that he was going to do. He continually, if we read this account in Luke, we find he spent quite a lot of time in prayer. He'd spent time in the wilderness, frequently going to the wilderness to pray, and he was accessing the heart of God and the Bible says that there were many Pharisees there, and there were many religious leaders. There were many people who were bound with religion. And the Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So in this particular story, as described by Luke, there was an anointing of healing present to confront religious bondage, 
to set people free, to touch and impact people who are held captive by religion. Religion always enslaves. It enslaves you with rules. Do this. Don't do that. It's always got an element of law. You must, you ought, you should. And no matter what you do, it always leaves you feeling guilty. Jesus came to bring freedom from this. He came to confront it. So he had spent time in the wilderness in prayer and in preparation. As a result of his personal prayer life, the power of God was present in his life to heal him, heal people, and particularly to heal the religious people who were there. And so Jesus went into the house. He went in purposefully. He had an intent, and God's power was there to touch people who in their mind were resistant to the gospel. They had the Bible, they had knowledge, but they had no living experience, they had no encounter, and in fact, actually, they were incredibly judgmental, their hearts were walled up, and there was, a, there was no sense of need in their lives, but nevertheless, God was there to heal them. And notice it was heard that he was in the house, and many gathered together. People spread the word. One of the ways that Jesus uh, was able to influence so many people, he had no internet, he had no netbook, he had no iPhone, he had no mobile of any kind, and yet wherever he went, crowds and crowds of people were attracted. Why were they attracted? Two primary reasons. One, because of the life and the message he carried. Are people attracted to you because of the life and message you carry? Do you carry something of God to give to others? The second reason the people gathered was those that were aware of Jesus and knew about him spoke boldly and talked about him. You want to get people stirred up, start talking a lot. Start talking a lot about God. You know, you get there on Monday to school, they ask, what did you do on the weekend? You know, this one's out of this party, I was at this party, I was doing this, I was doing that. Get bold and start talking about God. I was with God. God spoke to me. God touched my life. I had an experience with God. I had a great weekend. I got in the presence of God. God touched me. God spoke into my heart. I had an encounter with God. God's life flowed into me. Be bold. Start talking. Get them stirred up. If nothing else, you'll create some kind of talk going on. And uh, it does. It stirs people up. Normally what happens is we feel intimidated because what everyone else did and we're not part of it and we're different. Well, just be bold about what you did. Bold about being with God. Bold about the things that God has spoken to you and told. Bold about the dreams God's given you and particularly bold about what Jesus can do to people. See, you've had an experience. Your life has changed. You know Jesus did it for you. He can do it for other people as well. You know that the heart of God is to reach people. So just state it. And if people are all locked up, you know they're not happy. They just try and bluff you. No one's happy that every weekend has a binge on booze, wakes up with a headache, can't remember half of what they did, and then they say, I had a great time, you know. No, they didn't have a great time. They were ruining their life and on the way to ending problems in their liver. Come on, you know they didn't, it wasn't that good. They wake up, don't remember where they are, what they did. Look, it has that power. It has the power, of a, there's a spirit behind it, gets on people, influences them, they do crazy stuff. And yet here you are, sober. Come into the presence of God. Begin to enjoy heaven itself. Begin to start to experience God. You begin to line your life up with the purpose of God. You have something to say. You have a message God wants to speak through your life. And the more you engage God, the more you experience, the more you have, the more you've got to say. So don't let anyone shut you up. You know, blind Bartimaeus couldn't be shut up. No one who's got the gospel in their heart should be shut up from saying things. Don't say stupid things or religious things. 
But we need to speak straight to people. Speak what God speaks. Let God give you words to speak in the heart. That's what they did. They just told it around. Jesus is here. When you get near him, you get healed. Your life changes. And people need a changed life. And if they could change it, they would have. It's just they can't because they haven't got power. They need the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus touching them to set them free. And you've got to tell them. We just tell them. You know, I love it when I, people ask, what do you do? I say, oh, because I have various versions of what I do. Many different versions of what I do. One of the favorite ones is, well, I minister to people the power of God and help them get set for, free from evil, wicked spirits that drive them into addictions and torment their lives and make life miserable for them. That's a great conversation stopper. Just shuts it up, zip like that. But you can get it going again. You get it going again. You start to ask people if you had a spiritual experience, you might be surprised how many people have. And they don't want to talk about it because they think their friends would laugh at them. You ever had an experience? Any had some spiritual experience? Had some kind of thing happen that you couldn't really explain it? Man, that's a great way to get started. And when they get started and they share that experience, now you're positioned to tell them, well, let me tell you something. I can really help you with this one. You can talk to them. You look at people, young people got lives, got no purpose, no sense of this. You start to talk to them about the Lord. They're hearing all the wrong stuff. They need to be hearing about Jesus. And so the word got out. Everywhere they heard he was in the house, immediately many gathered together. There's not even enough room to receive him. They couldn't even get near the door, and he preached the word. People were drawn by the Holy Spirit. They're drawn to where God is moving, drawn to the Spirit of God, working and touching lives. People are attracted to reality. They hate falsehood. They hate something that's not real. People love something real. I remember a little while ago, I went into an insure, I went into insure, uh, uh, insure a flat, and I had to go into an insurance agent's, and uh, I went in there, and I uh, had to fill in papers and stuff. And uh, then, you know, the lady just, uh, you know, we just got interacting. Well, I started to share with her about some of the things of the kingdom of God. Well, she sat there. She began to draw. She began to ask questions. And then she didn't want me to go. She said, I've never heard these things ever before. I've never heard anything like that. Now, I wasn't sharing high spiritual stuff. We're just talking about the heart of God for people that are in need and how when you help people in need and what we were doing and what the church is doing and how the church is reaching out into different nations and helping people what we're doing with your orphans in Uganda, what we're doing in different nations, and what we've done with our family, what we're, various ways of just talked natural things of the kingdom. I was amazed at the hunger. The lady said, please don't leave. I want to hear more. Now, the kingdom of God works. People can't understand it. But when you begin to talk, they have to admit it really works. Love works. Lust and selfishness doesn't. Serving works. See, the things of the kingdom work. It's how life works. We're designed to work. So when you begin to start to understand some of the principles of the kingdom and understand, have a relationship with God, you can speak quite boldly because it does work. It works. It works. Tell somebody, see, the kingdom works. The kingdom works. It works. Your finances work better when you align it with God. Your, your relationships work better when you align them with God. 
Your life works better when you're aligned with God. In fact, everything runs better when it's aligned with God. The problem in the world is things are out of alignment with God, and we need to let people know how to get back in line with God. You know, talk to them, engage where they are, find out what's going on in their life. So they heard he was in the house. And uh, they heard Jesus always connected with people. Isn't it interesting? He didn't just go to big places. He went out in the streets. He also went in the house to people. Jesus came into people's home. How welcome is the Lord in your home? Do people come to your home because the presence of God is here? I know some people in the church, people love to go to their home because what's there is the felt presence of God. They feel a peace, and it's a place where they like to come. Why? Because people have made Jesus welcome in that home. If you've got to make Jesus welcome in your home, there's other things you've got to get rid of. So anyway, many gathered. They were drawn by the Holy Ghost, and it was jam-packed. Now, I want you to think of the house now. Try and get a picture of it. Here's the house, absolutely jam-packed with people, and then they're jam-packed around the door, and there's so many around the door and around the house, and, of course, they've got no glass windows there, so people are just listening. So they're outside the windows. Uh, when I was in India, we were preaching in an area and in a house, and it had no windows in the house, and I noticed that all around the outside, there were all these people all gathered. And they were gathered around the door, they were gathered around the windows, they were gathered around the outside of the house, and they were just listening in. I've been doing some outdoor work sometimes, and you, you know, you got the lights, and you're, you're speaking the Word of God, and you'll find right in the distance, just in the dark, there are people listening in, people who want to hear, people are being drawn. I can remember before I was saved, walking down the street in Napier, and people would be sharing the gospel over the other side, and I didn't want to kind of let them know I was interested, so I just sort of stood looking in the window, but I'm listening with my ear. Hey, people need to hear. So people gather. People will gather where the life of God is. They gathered, you know? And the thing is, when they gathered, they gathered because there was a presence of God there. They gathered because... The living presence of God. That's why we worship God. That's why we pray. That's why we want to break through atmosphere. Because you want the presence of God. That's why you have to do something in your personal life. If you're going to enjoy the presence of God in your life, build a strong gratitude. Build a strong praise. Build a strong life in the Word of God. Build strong prayer. Why? So you can enjoy the presence of God and carry Him wherever you go. He wants to go with you. Jesus carried the presence of God. And so He preached the Word. He began to speak the kingdom of God. He didn't just preach about experiences. He preached the Word of God and how God's kingdom operated. He preached the principles of the kingdom of God. He preached the values of the kingdom of God. He preached the ways of the kingdom of God. He preached how a person could enter the kingdom of God. He preached how you could access the invisible realm. Listen, you are a spirit being living inside a body. You live in a natural world, but you're designed to enter and live and expose into the spirit realm, into the realm of the kingdom of heaven. You're designed for it. When we fell because of sin, we malfunctioned. We stopped accessing God. Now we're going to live out of a different low level. Jesus wants us to get connected back in to his kingdom, into a wonderful, glorious kingdom where he is leading our life. He's directing our life. We're in relationship with him, and we begin to let his principles operate every area of our life. People are attracted by the kingdom. They're not always attracted by the church, but they are attracted by the kingdom of God its words, its principles, its realities. So get to read, get to study what Jesus taught, and then begin to share what God said. You can always be unashamed when God said it. Eh? So he preached the word. Now, as he was preaching the word, there's four guys, and they've got a friend. And these four men, the Bible doesn't say who they are. In other words, it could be any kind of person, doesn't identify who they are, but you've got four people who care about a friend. And they care about their friend enough to want to do something for him. They care about their friend enough to 
get him sorted so he can come into the presence of God. The Bible makes it very clear Jesus saw their faith. So they must have heard about Jesus. They must have come to a conviction in their heart because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. They must have come to a belief. They must have chosen to believe if we can just get this man into the presence of God, if we can just get his friend near to God, God will do the rest. You don't have to convert your friends. Don't think you've got to talk someone into becoming a Christian. It's the surest way to lose them. People naturally sense when you're trying to manipulate them to make some sort of uh, decision. People resist it. You can always tell a salesman he's going to try and come and sell you something. They're nice and sweet, but then behind those sweetness words, you know they've got a, an agenda, and their agenda is pretty soon they're going to bring the hard line out. They're going to sell you something. And so it's the same in sharing Christ. We don't come to sell Christ to the world and try and persuade the world to come to Christ. That's the Holy Ghost's job to turn the heart of someone to Christ. Our job is to represent Him. Our job is to stand up and speak on His behalf, act on His behalf. Jesus called us to love people. He always gave them free to make a choice. When you start to try and talk someone into becoming a Christian, you end up and you shut them down and turn them off. So we love people and share with them the reality of Christ. Share what God has done. These guys were on fire. They said, we can just get him into the presence of the Lord. If we can just get him there, Jesus, God will do the rest. God will do the rest. They were absolutely persuaded in their heart that God could do the rest. I love it. I love it. They sought to bring him. Trouble is they run into some problems. They always run into, their pro into problems. Let me show you what made them distinctive. And I want to ask you, are these things in your heart and these things in your life? This is what made them distinctive. Number one, they really cared about their friend. Cared enough to do something, to help him. First thing. Second thing, they believed a miracle was possible. Sometimes you look at your friends and they look so resistant to Christ, so resistant to God, we think it's impossible for them to get saved. But once it was impossible for you to get saved, and here you are. We think that way. Why do we think that way? Unbelief comes around our heart. There isn't anyone else in this world. There's no one in this world that is exempt from the love of God, that God doesn't love and want to reach out to. You've got to look at people and say, man, it's only a matter of time and they're coming to the Lord. You divide your world up into two people. Those are in the kingdom and those are on their way. It's, it's a mental attitude that no matter what resistance people put up, it's possible for them to be saved. It's just a matter of finding the right key. And sometimes it's a matter of persevering. It's not a matter of consistently loving a person. Do you have faith in your heart for your friends to get saved? Is there anyone you're holding in faith before God to get saved? Is there anyone? You see, let me think about, let me just talk to you about this. If you know Christ and enjoy a walk with him now, why would you not make him known to those who don't know him? Why would you hold the secret of a changed life from them. Now, you can't just go and ram the Lord down their throat, of course, but you can start to engage people purposefully. And this is what these guys did. They were convinced, then they were believed, a miracle was possible. So they had a clear purpose. And this is the interesting thing. They got together and they had one thing in mind. What a great thing if in the schools we had three or four people come together, they got one thing in mind, get their friends saved. Or focus on the one person, the paralyzed one. Uh, the guy was paralyzed. What that mean was he was... 
he had a disease or something wrong in his whole nervous system. Normally, para the paralyzed people in the Bible are often quite seriously tormented with pain. And, uh, but whatever it was, he had no power to walk. He had no power of life in him. There was something really wrong inside him. He had no power in his own life. He depended on others. He was quite uh, dependent on the people around him to help him. And these guys decided, I don't know what they decided, but maybe in their heart they decided, man, we're sick of carrying this guy around. We need to get him to Jesus. We need to get him to a place where he can be healed. Whatever happens, we know this. We know very clearly they determined and were quite purposeful. We're getting our friend to the Lord. You see, that's the kind of faith that the church needs to show. We are determined. My friend is going to be saved. My family are going to be saved. My city is going to be saved. The people around me are going to be saved. I'm determined to get them saved. I'm believing God to get them saved. I know it's not God's will. Any should be lost. All should be saved. I believe it's possible. Now you see, if you can believe it's possible, all things are possible to him who believes. If there's faith rises in your heart that you could influence the people around you, influence the people around you, meditate on it, dwell on it, get in the presence of God, begin to ask God to give you his heart for the lost, to burn in you a passion for lost people. Ask God to do it. Get there to people who are on fire. And many Christians have never, never, never in their whole Christian life ever led anyone to Christ. Something's not right. Something's not right. There's a block and a bondage. Can we get delivered, get sorted out, get on, get on God's plan <laughs> to get people saved? Here's the next thing is this teamwork. They all work together. They all work together. Sometimes you find there's, there's limited things you can do when you're on your own, but sometimes when you're with other people, there's a lot more you can do. I've noticed with the prophetic evangelism that often if they work in pairs, they get better results. When we work together, we always get better results. That's why if all of us work to believe God and work together, we can see souls saved. We can see our friends saved. We can see people touched. We work together. So you notice that they had a common vision, common purpose, common activity. They were, number one, they had a common purpose, common vision, see people saved. See their friends saved. See their friends come to Christ. Notice that they worked together. They flowed together to get it to happen. Sometimes you've got to work together to get some of your friends saved. Don't try and work on everyone. Find one who's open. The one who's open is the one to focus on. Then unite. We're going to pray for him. We're going to reach out and befriend him. We're going to invite him for coffee. Invite him, for tea. invite him around. Invite him to this, invite him to that. Get him to meet a few people. We're going to keep praying and believing. We're going to bring that fella into the house of God, into the presence of Jesus, get him saved. That's what we're believing for, see? They work with one. They, they lean on one another. They, one, they worked as a teamwork. And that's sometimes how you've got to do it. I've noticed in places where people unite in prayer, two people pray, you tend to get more results. Things start to happen. So here's the other. Now, notice here, they get there, and the first thing that happens, notice what Jesus said. He saw their faith. Their faith was visible. How did he see? There were three problems they had to break through to get the miracle to take place. Three areas they had to break through. The first thing, you notice, the first thing that obstructed them was people. Isn't it interesting that people can turn people away from Christ? Have you ever had someone really turn off the Lord? They were offended with a Christian? I've talked with some people who are very, very offended, very, very resistant to God. When I asked them or pointed out, it seems like you're very resistant to the Lord. If you had some bad experience with Christians, then out it all comes. And so they've had people 
were blocking them from coming to the Lord. There was something in their mind, an offense in their heart because of an experience they had with a Christian. You know, he, uh, he left owing money, uh, treated them badly, did some crazy thing, didn't represent Christ well, so they got an offense. So people can stop others coming to Christ. But if you talk with them, you find often you can just remove that offense if you say, well, that was bad. There's no doubt that was bad. Talk to them about it. But that's not what Jesus liked. Don't judge Jesus by that person over there. That's not what Jesus is about. This is what he's about. This is what he's like. Why don't we look and see how he lived his life? Why don't we see how he treated people? Then you find out what God is really like. I've been surprised in the number of times when I've sat and talked with people, and they were really anti, anti, often anti-church. So in other words, they're resistant to coming to Jesus because of the crowd or the people called church. That shouldn't be so. The believers of God, those who follow Jesus Christ, need to live our life in a way that touches people with the kindness of God, not turns them off so they resist. Not being religious, bigoted, judgmental, legalistic, but free and able to live life and express the life of God to people. See, so the first barrier they came into was people. And, uh, and so what they did, you know what they did? Sometimes people are a bit of a barrier. You know, I, I, I remember some of the ones. I remember before I gave my life to Christ, I remember there was this Christian on staff at the school, and he would be probably my number reason, one reason why I wouldn't want to be a Christian. He was a lovely man, I'm sure. His name was Norman. And Norman, though, was very, very hard to relate to and very geeky. And I thought, if that's what being a Christian is like, I don't think I want to become a Christian. It just, his whole manner with people was so antisocial and so off-putting. I didn't want to become a Christian. I looked at that, and I thought, we've got to get past all of that. Got to really hear what Jesus is like. And I got confronted a few times with someone who just put the word to me, and, well, I'll talk to him. Hey, what's your relationship with Jesus like? And I thought, oh, no, it's fine. But then God got through to me. So you have to get past it. Now, notice what they did was they went up on the roof. Now, what, isn't that an amazing thing? This is the thing about their faith. Their faith was so determined to get a breakthrough that when they couldn't go this way, they just thought from a higher level, we've got to try this another way. Sometimes you've got to think more creatively if you're going to win people to Christ. So if they couldn't get in the door this way, they just got to a higher level. Notice what they did? They climbed up and they grabbed the guy. I don't know how they handled him, strapped him to the thing, dragged him up on the roof. Now they're up on the roof. Now when you're up on the roof, you're at a higher ground, you see things differently. Sometimes you've got to get a different way of looking at how to reach people, how to get to breakthrough, how to touch people's lives. You've got to see it differently. Look at it from a different point of view. Sometimes the way you're trying to do it isn't working, and you can't get through, and you can't break through, can't get your friends saved, can't get them in the presence of God. Try something else. If that isn't working, just be creative. Try another way. So they got up at a higher level. Prayer will take you to a higher level. Prayer will give you a different view of people. Prayer will give you a different view of life. Prayer will give you God's way of handling a problem. They just wouldn't take no for an answer. Faith will not take no for an answer. It just says, I'm not going to be put off. I'm not going to be put off by people. I'm not going to let people put me off. I can remember uh, when we were in our early days and... and uh, the, uh, I, we were searching and hungry, and uh, the group of people that had the life of God, man, they were a strange lot, and uh, it really kind of put me off, and uh, it was definitely evil spoken of. The people who knew this church really spoke badly of it, and yet in the, in the middle of it, I, I could see that God was there. So I had to just actually just get a different viewpoint and say, man, God is in this place. No matter what anyone thinks, I'm going to just go what God has got me for. I went, we just went with it. God changed our lives. And in about three, four years, we were pastoring a church. So number one barrier, of course, is people, the crowd. The crowd will always resist. You try and talk with someone in a crowd, often you get nowhere. 
the crowd will often resist the gospel, but there'll be someone in the crowd, you focus in on them, they get open. Second thing is, you know, so there's another opposition. They found the second opposition was the roof. They couldn't, they couldn't get through because there's a roof there. Now, I can't imagine what it would be like here if we suddenly heard a jackhammer on the roof. And dear God, someone's jackhammering straight clear through the roof. Rip the whole thing right out, pull those ceiling tiles up, and down low. Now, you can understand the scope of this thing. It's quite, it's quite a major thing. But here's the bottom line of their faith. Their faith would not take no for an answer. And living faith is so convinced that God will do something that it'll find a way around every obstacle. A lot of people, when there's an obstacle come up, just quit. Oh, well, maybe God didn't mean that, or maybe God didn't want, perhaps not the will of God. No, 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 no. They were convinced. God wants to touch this guy. If we can just get him there, he's going to get saved. First obstacle, the crowd. Well, let's get around the crowd. What are we going to do? Well, we could throw a bomb in, I suppose. But no, we won't do that. We'll just get up on top of the roof. They've got on top of the roof. Oh, they've got a problem with the tiles. Well, let's jack them out and we'll pull them out. They pull all the tiles out. Sometimes you've got to actually work together. You don't just have to work together, pull the tiles out. Sometimes you've got to work together and face the problem. When you get in prayer, you get a different perspective how to access the life of God. A lot of people try and taste, handle problems, and they're looking, trying to make the thing work from earth to heaven. Rather than getting in the spirit of God, getting in the realm of the spirit, looking down and saying, God, how can we deal with this thing? They removed that obstacle too. Third obstacle they had to face. Get this, this is the last obstacle they had to face. This is the barrier of the, of, there was a meeting in progress. And so it was a barrier of authorities. Now, you've got to understand, all the key religious leaders were in this room. Now, normally, they would be terrified of what they would do if they disrupted a meeting. Now, what they did was they totally interrupted Jesus' meeting in front of all the local religious leaders. They disrupted them, interrupted the meeting, and brought this man straight down into right there in front of Jesus. Now, it takes courage not to be intimidated by people. It takes courage not to be intimidated by older people, richer people, or people in authority. You've got to have courage in your heart. They refused to be intimidated and put down. They were just determined. Nothing will stop us getting our friend into the presence of God. That is what faith that's visible looks like. It just won't take no for an answer. And they held him out. And it's interesting what Jesus said. Jesus, first of all, addresses the root problem. Most likely the sickness was caused by sin in this case because he said straight away, your sins are forgiven you. You notice what Jesus did? He used it as a brilliant opportunity just to confront the religious atmosphere. Your sins are forgiven. Well, we didn't bring him here for that. We kind of wanted to get here. But listen, God, God's interested in every part of us. Wanted to heal the soul, wanted to heal the shame, wanted to heal him in his, in his spirit. And then when the religious people spoke up, he just challenged them, says, well, which is it easier to do, forgive sins or make them paralyzed man walk? And he confronted them. That was Jesus always did that. But I want you to see this. He commended them because they had faith for their friend. Do you have faith for your friend? If you have faith for your friends, is it visible faith? Is it determined? Nothing. Not people, not circumstances, not blockages, not authorities, not any kind of thing is going to stop you reaching to bring them to Christ. Now that is visible faith. If you get quit on the first instance... That's not tangible, visible faith. just shows you weren't really convinced that God would save them. Someone kept on my tail. Joy had a grandmother. She kept praying for me. She prayed for me for years. 
Seven years she prayed for this Catholic boy. Then one day she said to Joy's mother, God has spoken to me. You don't have to worry anymore. He's saved. I wasn't saved at that time, but she had heard from God. See, no matter what it looked like, no matter how difficult it looked, no matter how hard, no matter how resistant, no matter how much religious bondage I had, she got in the presence of God, got a different perspective, and said, the blockage is broken. He's as good as saved. She, she actually told Joy's mum, don't worry now. He's as good as saved. And I'm still going on in my old sinful life. Had no idea that already the work's been done, and I'm as good as saved. It was only a matter of time, and then it outworked. She was right. I got saved. At the time, it didn't look like I could be. And actually, when I look at the bondage I was in, I'm sure I couldn't have been. However, God got a breakthrough because someone just wouldn't quit for seven years praying for me. Think about it. You hung on to someone for seven years. There's someone you got on your heart, someone you're believing for. Man, we've got a youth conference coming up. You want to be getting people there in the presence of God and that atmosphere of God. Something is bound to happen. And then don't just settle for that. Settle for pursuing them until they're joined to the house of God, joined and walking with God. Man, this is a great hour for you to have a vision for your friends to be saved. It doesn't say who they were. What we know is, and we were looking at the advert tonight about a generation that will stand up and reach out to those who have no hope and are in despair. The paralyzed man had no hope. He was in despair. But four people, a different spirit, rose up and believed he can be saved, his life can be healed, he can be changed, and their faith, their faith got the man saved and into the presence of God, into the place of healing. What has your faith done? What could it do? Let's just close our eyes right now. Father, we just thank you tonight. We thank you, Lord. You're talking and challenging us about faith that breaks through, faith that dares to believe, dares to believe the people around us can be changed and saved by the power of God. Father, we open our heart to you. Father, write on our hearts tonight the names of people paralyzed with sin, with addictions, with struggles, with difficulties, with fears, hurt, hurts, offenses or abuse, whatever it is, the people around us, write their name in our heart today. And Lord, cause us to have that determination and our spirit to believe they could be saved. And one of the simplest ways you can do this, some very simple keys, they're very, very easy. Ask the Lord to write the names of people in your heart to begin, and write them down. Write them down on a piece of paper. Stick them up on your wall. Stick them up in your bathroom on the wall. Every day you go in there, pray. Second thing is, begin to meditate on your friends being in the presence of God, hands lifted up. Meditate, see them saved. See the outcome of your faith, your believing. See the result. Don't see the problem. That hard face, that resistant attitude, that scorning and scoffing, that shunning and turning you away. Don't look at that. See that person standing there. The presence of God has come into their heart and into their life. God is so able to do it. So able to do it. But see it. Meditate on it daily. Every day, commit yourself. God, today, I'm an ambassador. So today, there's people for me to show kindness to, to reach out to, to befriend. Lord, help me not to forget. Don't let me get spiritual amnesia so I forget who I am and what I'm here for. 
Lord, put in me a passion, passion for harvest, passion for souls, passion for the people around me. I guess on that day, those men went home absolutely shouting with joy. Their friend healed, saved, changed. Why don't you in your heart say, God, write some names in my heart. Lord, I repent of my unbelief. I repent of being discouraged, disappointed, drawing back because people didn't respond. Lord, as I begin this week in prayer and fasting, write in my heart a passion for you and a passion for people you love to see them saved. Give me opportunities. I'm going to start to sow into their lives kindness, begin to build relationship, going to find way into them. I'm going to look for it everywhere I go the chance to talk to someone about Jesus Christ.